Welcome to Panther Pori, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Presented by Florida Hockey Now. Here are your hosts, Jacob Langsom, Alex Lopez, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Offseason Paris. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and DJ Peterson. And uh, it has been a quiet summer, gentlemen. Uh, the last we recorded was to recap the draft and the very beginning of unrestricted free agency. Uh, and only one somewhat significant thing has happened since then in the world of hockey, at least as it relates to the Florida Panthers. That being the Etu Lestarin and extension, three years, three million per, uh, locking up a little bit of depth there for the Panthers. Uh, I mean, I guess we can all just go around the horn real quick and give a give a give a sentence on how we feel. Great, great extension. Love the guy. Three years, three mil. Beautiful. Love it. Perfect. Yeah, it does see, feel too good to be true until you remember that before this year, he really hadn't been much more than a replacement level player. But with opportunity comes, you know, the ability to show yourself. And when he got that opportunity last year, he did show that he has grown into being a quite useful player. You know, I I doubt that we're looking back at this and saying, you know, he was the the guy that won them the championship. You know, we're not going to be looking back at this and comparing it to the Carter Verhage contract because I doubt that he's even going to put in 30 goals, let alone 40. But the cap's going up. You know, that's going to be like three and a half percent of the cap when it goes up, maybe even a little bit less than that. I, I had quick math, whatever. Um so guys like that are going to be getting four or five million across the league in free agency unrestricted. So you're you're maybe taking a risk that he ends up being more like the E2 from the past couple of years, which was replacement level, maybe a little bit better. But it, it's probably more likely that, you know, that's just because he was young and he was still learning his way around the NHL and still developing his talents and that he's just going to continue to grow, unlikely to grow into like a top line forward, or, you know, Carter Verhage type player, but you're probably going to be happy with him in your middle six. He's probably going to be chipping in with maybe 40 points and going to play on the penalty kill, which is going to be important because they've really struggled on the penalty kill last year. So overall, I'm pretty happy with it. Alex, what are your thoughts? You need guys like him to win a Stanley Cup. They aren't going to be the reason you win a Stanley Cup, just like you said, TJ, but you need them. Uh, you saw how much the Panthers missed him in the Cup Final, where Vegas's depth just absolutely pummeled the Panthers. At Toulouse and at 3x3 three three is essentially being paid as a low-end middle six player, and he absolutely you know played like an upper tier middle six player this season uh with the the production he gave you offensively like you said he can kill penalties he's responsible defensively the odds of being completely burned by a three by three for Edson Lusterinen are very very low um do I think he's going to keep improving offensively unlikely but even then, I think you're going to get you're going to be very happy with this deal as it plays out. 
uh, it's a good signing. Uh, I asked ChatGPT what it thinks of the Atula Starn and contract extension. Um, and ChatGPT said, as of my last update, Etula Starnin is a Finnish professional ice hockey player uh, who was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes in the second round of the 2017 NHL draft. Uh, if there is an extension related to his contract, I wouldn't have information about it beyond September of 2021. Uh, so thanks a lot, ChatGPT. I was trying to do a bit, and you ruined it. <laughs> 43 points in 82 games last year, just to, to talk about where we are offensively. Yeah, like I don't see him turning into a 25-goal guy. I don't see him turning into a 50-point guy. But you can probably rely upon him for – somewhere in between 35 and 45 points a year unless he plays with Barkov and you know gets that top line kind of ice time in which case the point totals will go up just because of the you know accumulation of ice time yeah and look if you have a third line winger making three mil a year at a half a point a game great fine good enough for me and mm-hmm. Three million bucks isn't going to break you. He's a good player. Just for comparison's sake, the uh, Edmonton Oilers just gave Ryan McLeod or McLeod, however you want to say it, McLeod, two point, McLeod, two point one AAV for two years, and he's a twenty-five point player. Ugh. Like the, you got you, you paid below market value for a middle six player, and you got and, and Lusterinen is a good one. I, I do want to point out that Etu's point totals have increased uh, almost exponentially since uh, since joining the NHL uh, from one point in his stint with the Carolina Hurricanes to eight points in his first season with the Panthers, up to 26 points, up to 43. So if this trend continues, he's going to be an 80-point player. It's simple math. It's simple math. I don't make the rules. I just identify them. And this uh, this sets the the uh, <laughs> bar for the Anton Lundell extension because you know V two was better than Lundell last year and probably will be next year. So uh, yeah, I I'm not sure. I'd go, I'm not sure if I'd take it take it there. Former there, top fifteen pick changes so many dynamics. I'm poking the bear, as you guys you are. know. Also, yeah. I mean, Lundell is four years younger. Lundell is a center, and Etu. Technically is, but has played a lot more wing for the Panthers recently. So there's there's a premium to be paid for centers. There's a, there's a premium on being an Before early draft pick. pick. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a premium on lots of stuff that Anton Lundell has that Etu does not. So, look, I mean, other than the fact that he's big, there's a reason Erica Branson keeps getting big deals, and it's the fact that he's a former number three overall pick. I'm not that even sure matters. if that has anything to do with his extensions it, at this point. I, to I, me like, it, I haven't heard Eric Branson discussed in the context of former third overall pick Eric Branson in years. Maybe you're right. Unless right. we are making fun of him being a third overall pick. I mean, I am because Dale Talon had one of the worst drafts of all time with three first round picks in a loaded draft. Um, Was it loaded though? I don't remember yes. that that many good players being in it. Do we Tarasenko, want to rehash the 2010 draft? Tarasenko, uh, Kuznetsov. It was a and good draft. Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler wasn't that good. Yes, he was. All right. Prime, Prime Cam Fowler was a 
really good player. Um, other Panther news, Alexi Heponiemi, former second round pick, former pretty highly touted prospect. I mean, I think Promen had him in his uh, the gifted series as someone to watch out for. He signs a deal back in Switzerland. Um, his pa- pretty much ending his Panther tenure. Panthers do still retain his rights, but I mean, when do you ever see these guys come back? Like uh, Mammon was probably one of the only ones that I've ever I can ever remember in the terms of the Panthers that you know signed in Europe and came back. I mean, the odds are they don't come back. Like Alexi Sarla never came back. Um, the list is long. These guys don't come back. They wait until their rights expire and maybe try again with another organization. Or they just stay in you know, Europe the rest of their career. Thoughts, guys? I wrote an article about Alexi Hepaniami for Puck 77 back in the day. Uh, it was one of my most popular articles on the site. It was uh, after his, his draft plus one year uh, and the remarkable season he had. Uh, so because of that, I've always had a major soft spot for him, and I wanted him to succeed so badly because I so so desperately wanted to be able to hold up Alexi Hapaniemi and be like, this guy, I wrote about him. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. I will not get to wave that article in everyone's collective faces uh, I, I believe we are on record last off season as saying that this year was kind of the put up or shut up year for Hepo. Uh, he he has a lot of talent, great vision on the ice, uh, is a very good distributor of the puck. It just never really came together for him in North American professional hockey. I'll miss the kid, but I'm not going to miss the roster spot. Yeah, he he would have needed to have a much bigger season. Or Paul Maurice would have had to have been a big believer in his potential, which he clearly wasn't because yeah. he got some opportunity. And that's that's not me saying that Paul Maurice hated the guy. I think that every organization pretty much feels identical to the way the Panthers do right now about this guy's NHL prospects in which they're not high enough to warrant giving him a one-way contract because – I doubt he's going to be making $775,000 in Switzerland. So he would have taken that money in a heartbeat to stay in the U.S. And he just didn't get that opportunity, I would have to guess. Yeah. Um, two points per game in his draft plus one year in the WHL. 118 points, 90 assists Yeah. in 57 games. Uh, I yeah. want to do one, not to disrupt you so abruptly, TJ, but just to put that into perspective – Noted first overall pick and highly touted best player since Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, 72 assists in his draft year. Granted, Which that's his draft year, not his draft, draft year. one, yeah, right. but still. It was a pretty spectacular campaign. Uh, and then he had a, another good year the following year in Liga, almost a point per game in a men's league. You thought mm-hmm. to yourself... He's putting it all together. He's going to come to the North America next year and really just show himself to be the, you know, the big time player. 
that we all thought he could be. And then he had 14 points in 49 AHL games. And that's sort of when you had to reconfigure your expectations because that was just a disaster of a campaign. He did become a decent AHL player, though. I mean, he, yes, he went yeah. on to have 39 points in 56 games and then 43 and 62. So, like, he was a good AHL player. And he, but, did fl- he did flash in his opportunities with the Panthers. The problem is he was never that consistent and the game he plays, he has to be on your top two lines. Right. And who are you taking off the top two lines for Alexi Hebonyemi? Nobody. You could have thought about doing Nick Cousins, but I mean, Paul Maurice Yeah, didn't. you also could have thought, but leading up to this offseason, who are you going to put on your top two lines? Because there was an open winger spot going into this summer. And then yeah, that but spot you was effectively filled by Evan Rodriguez. You you can't go into the following season that you you know come within three wins of the Stanley Cup, being like, yeah. this guy with two career NHL goals at age twenty five is our top six answer. Is he really yeah. twenty five already? He's twenty four. No, he's twenty four. He's twenty four. Yeah, but that's something the early you know the, the early to mid two thousands Panthers would do and tout it up, and it's like guys. You know, we've got this Hepponyemi guy. He was a second round pick. He was great four years ago. He over overbaked in the minors and he's ready. And then he goes out there and throws a dud. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the elephant in the room, which uh, ironically I'm referring to a lack of size here, was that he just never filled out his frame. You know, that was probably why he slipped into the second round. The Panthers felt like they yeah. got a steal because this guy's five foot ten. And he is going to be able to weigh more than what I think it was like under 150 pounds at the time. I talked to him at dev camp, as we fondly remember, he told me he was going to eat more food and it just never filled out that frame. And he was just too small to play in the bottom six. Like Alex is talking about like a guy like Alex to bring He's never going to be a bottom six winger. Another small guy, you know, the has also, you know, grown a little bit more than, happen Yemi did which probably helps but like you got to be able to produce and he's doing it at the ahl level but couldn't get it done at the nhl level doesn't really have the skill set doesn't really have the physical tools to play in the bottom six and it's just a better quality of life to play professionally in europe than to play in the ahl yeah for the record epo uh currently listed at 510 155 um for context, as another small player is listed at five seven, he listed at five seven, which means he's probably smaller, uh, and a hundred and sixty five pounds. So at three inches shorter listed, he's also listed ten pounds heavier. That is a very significant uh, difference. Not to harp too much on Debrinkat, he's just kind of the prime example of a smaller player uh, at the moment. Uh, yeah, so Hepo. 510, 155. I mean, that's really little. Cole Caulfield is 5'7, 174. I call BS on all those, both those numbers. Uh, I, I buy it. Any thoughts on any of the contracts that have been handed out? Maybe Tarasenko going to the Senators, anything along those lines that piqued your guys' interest? I'm excited to watch Alex respond to Sens fans who now have to do a whole bunch of mental gymnastics uh, to convince 
themselves and everyone else that Vladimir Tarasenko is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's better than any winger the Panthers or anyone else has. Uh, and the Sens are obviously going to jump up to a playoff spot because, hooray, they now have Vladimir Tarasenko. Real quick, I, I just want to say that I always felt like he was an overrated like prize in free agency. Like I, I was never that interested. I wouldn't have been interested in the yeah, Panthers maybe. getting him. Um, I mean, for like a million bucks, maybe, but yeah, that's not yeah, signed for. You could say that about a lot of guys, Alex. I honestly think it was a solid signing for Ottawa. They had cap space to burn. You can do worse than Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, you lost oh, Alex. That cap hit. <laughs> It's one it's a fine year. Cap hit. It's yeah, one, one year. year. Who cares? Eh, it's one fan. year. It's one year. Who cares? It's um, more than he's worth to me. Is all. I I don't know about that. I mean, it depends on what Vladimir Tarasenko you get. Yeah. Is he healthy? Is he motivated? I think he's going to be good. If you know, like remember when um Dadunov went to Ottawa, and the effort you got out of him, like. It all depends on how that team does. The one thing that got, that Tarasenko does not do for Ottawa is he does not help them defensively. No. Um, and the one place Ottawa needed a lot of help was def- was the, their defensive prowess at forward because it's basically Claude Giroux and black holes outside of that. So good luck with Tarasenko. Um I, like I said, I think it was a good recovery from losing the Debrincat deal. But, um, yeah, I, it's still a team that is, at best, the fifth-best roster in the division. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I was also going to say that I was skeptical about getting Debrincat for a high price. I don't think, ultimately, the Red Wings paid a high price. No, uh, because he's just such a black hole defensively. So, you know, good on Ottawa, I guess, for getting off of that. Here's the problem. Dominic Kubelik, zero defense. Like, look at his player card. It's probably as close to zero defensive attributes as you can get. And then Vladimir Tarasenko, similar thing. One year deal. He's going to be thinking about, I got to I got to pump my numbers up to get more money on my next deal. What does that mean? Not going to be playing a lot of defense. Oh yeah, um, the odds that the bring I mean, I'm sorry. The odds that Tarasenko is in an Ottawa sweater, uh, September or October fifth, twenty twenty four, very little, very very low. How are, how are you guys enjoying Puck Doku? Oh, it's fun as hell. They're all fun. Puck Doku, um, Immaculate Grid. They're all fun. I mean, obviously, I have more fun when the, like there's a Panthers connection. Because mm-hmm. then it just lets me like it just opens up my mind. To, like I had this one puck doku where literally seven of the nine people I used were former Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. and that made me happy. Who's like mm-hmm. your roster of guys that you're always like, okay, you know, did this guy play for because he played for all those teams? Like Yager, I feel like is the one that the most people have because he played for so many teams. But there are some gems that I feel like individual hockey fans will have. Mine is Ian Cole. I seem to remember the teams that Ian Cole has played for. And I always just think about Ian Cole. Like what teams uh, has he played for? Derek Broussard's played for almost everybody. Um, <laughs> Sam Gagne is so versatile. Sam Gagne is one of mine. Like, um, like, yeah, Yager you could use, and it's so easy to remember him, but like everyone's using Yager. Like 
half the fun of poke do all, all these puck dokus and whatnot is like you want guys that are like less than two percent like yeah. using yager for no no no, no, no. see the thing you have to understand is that uniqueness is a myth <laughs> it is it is far more fun to just fill out the square than it is to fool yourself into thinking that you can get a good uniqueness score I disagree. I love having remembering some guys score. is maybe my favorite thing though, which is kind of unique yeah. to score, but a lot of the time it, it falls into, you know, sort of like the, <laughs> the two to 10% area. Like yeah, the uh, most fun I have today. with Doku is after finishing the puzzle, going in and looking at all the possible answers. Yeah. That's, that's the one the thing I love about, stuff. about immaculate grid is that they, that's now all like, because it's owned by um, baseball, baseball reference. reference it just shows you like all the possible answers and it, it right afterwards. It's great. Um, you know who my, one of my uh, most, one of my favorite like go-to guys is for puck Doku. And this is, this is great uh, for the brand, but one of my absolute favorite go-to guys who has become a bit of a journeyman. And I always love being able to fill him in because for some reason, even though he's still in the league, he always he's gets a pretty forgotten. solid percentage. My guy, my go-to guy, is Eric Branson. Yes! <laughs> he's played for everybody. Yeah, he's That got a, dude has played for at least a third of the NHL at this point. Like It's well, insane how many teams he's played for. I also use Scotty Upshaw a lot because he's played for everybody. Well, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that. Scotty Upshaw has played around. Another thing I love doing is you can basically trick the goalie ones because it's like it just asks for like, oh, who had a save percentage above nine fifteen in a season? And it's like if you can remember a backup who played like three games and was really good, they count. So like, yeah, I was I, really dis- disappointed in myself the other day. They had the Panthers one, mm-hmm. and there was a you know a save percentage one, and I was just. I just couldn't get myself to say Al Montoya, even though I knew it was right. I think I used Reto Berra for that one, and it worked. <laughs> I just put Luongo because, again, I get great joy from just filling out the score. Tomas Mokun was who I put. You know who's uh, – speaking of on brand, you know who's really good for variety? The Beezer. Oh, yeah, because he played for the Rangers. Didn't he play for Philadelphia? Rangers, Philadelphia, Quebec Devils. Also, I think. Um, Islanders. So I don't think he played for Quebec. I might be making that up. Yeah, maybe. He also was technically part of the uh, Canucks organization for the expansion draft purposes, but that doesn't count because he never played a game. Um, you know who's a big trap is Mike McKenna. Yeah, you think that he's played because he's a played for teams. a ton of AHL teams. Correct. He's been in a ton of organizations, <laughs> but. And he like like for the Panthers, he was on the bench a whole bunch of times, but he never got into a game. TJ got screwed by that today. That I got screwed by Will Butcher never playing a game for Dallas. He has played for the Texas Stars, though. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, although like the other day there was a goalie one, and Christopher Gibson was an acceptable answer for the Panthers. I saw him at the bottom of the category. He never played in an NHL game for the Panthers. So if somebody's going to have to ask Puck Doku what's up with that. So maybe maybe we were going to be able to use like Scott Wilcox 
Was that his, his first name? Adam Wilcox? I know I used Steve Shields once. That's a good one. TJ, you, you're uh, probably <laughs> thinking, you're right, he never actually played for the Florida Panthers. But it was probably the day that, like, one of the rows was the Panthers and one of the columns was just goalies. Yeah, just goalie. But he never played. Yeah. So I, I use I, Trevor Kidd in that particular square. Going back to what Alex was saying, though, maybe sitting on the bench because you're technically in the lineup does yeah. count. Yeah. You don't get any statistics, so good luck getting a save percentage above a certain amount, but I guess it counts as an appearance. All right, anything else NHL before we hit a couple of pre things? Maybe only one pre thing. I have no idea if we're going to hit anything. Well, I, I mean, just because it is, we're, we're recording this on MLB trade deadline. What the hell are you doing, Marlins? Like, I don't know just, what they're doing. I have no idea, actually. Like, like in what, terms of Ivan Durant, what are they doing? They they basically just overpaid for a bunch of meh guys, like uh, the top prospects and everything, and former first round picks, and guys that like everyone is like scratching their heads. It's like, you know, when every like when a trade gets announced and the universal um response is uh i don't get that you're you're not you're, you're usually wrong you're you usually lost that trade <laughs> and the yeah. marlins did that like three times today and their closer that they just picked up from the mets blew a save today against the phillies like yeah just, it's a bad luck yeah bad luck uh um what else pre is do we got the u.s women's national team nearly made themselves the the worst disaster of a u.s soccer team men or women in the history of the federation today they were about i don't know if you're aware of what happened in the game alex because it was 3 a.m they were about six to nine inches nice away from just going home in the group stage yeah to a team the, the in the last world cup the u.s won the last world cup Portugal wasn't even there. They didn't qualify. And they almost knocked the U.S. out. They were inches away, hitting the post in stoppage time. The U.S. holding on for a nil-nil to finish second in their group. What a disaster, man. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna go full Carly Lloyd and Alexi Lawless, and I know they're both getting shit on, but I don't think either of them are wrong here. Like, you you are by far the number one team in the world when it comes to women's soccer. And this, I, yes, I know they've had some injuries. They are missing a bunch of people. They've got well, ladies playing out of position to try and kind of makeshift their way through this tournament, but they're still the number one team in the tournament and it's not close. The kind of effort they're putting forth, whether it's coaching, whether it's on the on the ladies themselves i don't know i i'm not going to pretend to be a soccer expert let alone a women's soccer expert but one thing you can do is be not say i don't want to say a body language expert but when you play sports at a high level and you have expectations like you need to have that mentality it's like we're here to do a job and win and when you're basically shitting your way through the group stage and come nine inches from the, one of the most embarrassing moments in U.S. soccer history, and that includes the men missing the World Cup six years ago. Why are you celebrating and dancing and taking selfies 
like, yeah, okay, you can shake hands. The You accomplish the goal of advancing because, you know, every team, no matter how elite they are, they set their goals in stages. And this first stage is advanced. But, like, you advanced looking bad the whole way. You scored three goals against a Vietnam team. I mean, seriously, Vietnam? <laughs> yeah, never been in the World Cup before. The The Netherlands was up 3 nothing on them in about 24 minutes. Yeah. And they scored three goals in the entire game, the U.S. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What the fuck are you doing, ladies? Yeah. Like, and I, I should mention in terms of the, like, missing players conversation you had, the Netherlands is missing their best player. Like, she plays for Arsenal. I can't remember her name. Miedema, maybe? I might be thinking of somebody else. But, like, the Netherlands is absolutely missing their best player. I know that for a fact. And they just, you know, pretty much whooped the U.S.'s ass. I mean, I know that the game was a 1-1 tie, but, you know, the U.S. only beats Vietnam 3-0. They're up 5-0 in the first half. They end up winning 7-0. Like, that's got to be pretty embarrassing. Like, and you're dancing after the fact, you know, you, you can't beat a team that doesn't even make the World Cup every time. It's it's just... A, you're the number you, one team in the world. Act mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. You, Act and, like you've been there before. And the and the saving grace for them is they got an opportunity to redeem themselves, you know, pr- provided that Sweden, as we, we expect Sweden to win the group, the other group that they're going to have to go up against. And now because they set the kickoff times for the knockout rounds, expecting the U.S. to win the group, the I believe the kickoff times for the, the U.S. games, if they even, you know, beat Sweden, which they're probably going to be underdogs. Uh, are going to be at these odd hours of the night when they expected, you know, the Netherlands or maybe even Portugal or Vietnam to be playing as the second place team. And now it's going to be you. So you screwed over the whole country, too, because now <laughs> people are going to go to bed instead of watching the game. And, you know, maybe they're right to because of the way that you've looked. Um, I'll get my last thoughts in. I know I'm just repeating myself, but like, just act like you've been there before. Mm hmm. Do the and you have, you have, and and they're being let down by the names that have been there before, like mm-hmm. Alex Morgan. I mean, she trash. had a one offside goal, but she's been trash. Um, Megan Rapino, like, trash. literally looks like one of the worst people out there. But she's like past her prime, and right, everybody but, should you know acknowledge that. Right, but if you are on the pitch for the United States of America, you've got the flag on your chest. Put up or shut the fuck up. And this mm-hmm. is not a statement about anything off the court, off the field, off the pitch, the national anthem. No, I only give a shit about what you do while the clock is running. In soccer, it runs the whole damn game. But, like, yeah. you're out there, even though you're past your prime, you're playing Vietnam and you can't control the ball yeah. at your feet. Oh, yeah, that was rough. Like, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just not it's not accepted you're the number one team in the world yeah. it's not close like and i'd be saying the same thing if this was the men doing it i'd be saying the same thing if this was the women's hockey team doing it like this is that that was an embarrassing group stage the good thing is they it, it it's, it's all it all means nothing if they win the next four or five or however many it takes to you know get the fifth star on the chest yeah and uh, that's that's really what bails them out here, because we're all going to remember the Sweden loss, you know, if they if they lose that game rather than the bad group stage. 
And if they beat them, then we won't even remember the group stage. We'll just remember the triumphant knockout rounds. Um, that's all I got. What about you guys? Messi. Oh, that's right. Yes. That I can comment on. Um, my God. Messi, Leo Messi is pretty good at soccer. My God. That first game, like the fact that it came down. No, it was scripted, Alex. Yeah. You could have scripted it. On the left side, because I mean, I know very little about soccer. I mean, obviously, I've watched Messi play, but like, I know he's a lefty. I know free kicks from the left side. Like to quote Chris Whittingham, like you might as well put it at the penalty spot, and then he just buries it, absolutely buries it. First yeah, it game, was scripted. yeah, couldn't Obviously. have written, any, yeah, couldn't have written any better. Um, <laughs> it was funny. Out, you know, uh, noted Toronto Maple Leafs uh, fan Jeff Fayette was talking about like before Messi's game, like, oh, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be just Messi scoring, you know, a brace or a hat trick every single game, and. It's not going to be like the, yeah, he's the best player in the world, but it's hard to do. He's not going to be like a guy dropping into a pickup game. And I mean, I agreed with him and I still kind of agree with him, but so far that's exactly what it's looked like. Cause that Atlanta game. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. And how about maybe a guy breaking into the top five finish South Florida athletes, Robert Taylor with a couple of absolute bangers. Top one against Atlanta. South Florida athletes. There's one against uh, Cruz Azul and one against Atlanta. And he scored another goal against Atlanta. So he's got three goals in the two games, just like Messi. I mean, that that third Inter-Miami goal against Atlanta that, that Robert Taylor scored, the volley was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we know for certain is that Messi is, I mean, we knew it was going to happen already, but like, this is one of the best teams in MLS. It's going to, as long as Messi is healthy, and it's going to be so much fun to watch because it really yeah, is. Inner Barca FC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. There, there's more coming. There's more coming. Jordi Alba hasn't even played yet, right? No, he is not. Yeah. You got Jordi Alba coming, Luis Suarez in December. Like, possibly. It's since- Possibly. Yeah, we that that one I I heard is unlikely now, but there, there's there's these other young players that they're bringing in. I can't remember the names of yeah, those I guys. Saw that, I saw they bought some Argentinian. Yeah. Sergio like Roberto, maybe. I've heard Andres Iniesta. Like that is no you know, way deep. That's deep in the rumor mill, but I've heard it. There's no it, way Iniesta, Iniesta comes Iniesta out of retirement. Yeah, isn't he coaching? I kind of thought he was coaching. I mean. Javi is the coach of Barcelona. Okay, I got them confused. Sorry. Yeah, which I I would do uh, regularly as well. Um, but I thought that oh, Iniesta I, had retired. I uh, guess he hasn't. He's he's technically still a free agent. He hasn't officially retired or formally retired. Um, so you know, uh, he posted some training photos today. Watch out for Iniesta. I guess. Um, least- if Andres Iniesta comes to Inter Miami. The League's Cup has been a lot of fun. <laughs> Wednesday, we get Inter-Miami against Orlando at Drive Pink Stadium in, you know, Cypress Creek, not even really Fort Lauderdale, five yeah. miles north of Fort Lauderdale. But uh, I'll, I will be there. I got tickets, and I'm I'm grateful that I get to see the, Atlant- or the, the rivalry against Orlando. And then the next night, Red Bulls against NYCFC. No so one cares about another- that, no. Well, none of our listeners do, but it's a it's a good local rivalry. If you're getting into League's Cup, 
you get a local rivalry that's teams. not in Florida. <laughs> right, right. But you know, you, you can see it like uh Mets Yankees or Islanders Rangers and Red Bulls against NYCFC. It's sort of a, a similar thing. Um TJ of all the people listening to this episode. Oh, yeah, can I not Josh, be self-indulgent? I you think just you are the this only one who gives a singular shit and about that's the I'm Red Bulls. About it. I'm, I'm, forcing it, I'm forcing it on everybody. You just Josh Appel the end of this episode. Anyway, at some point in the next couple of months, we're going to see the release of the first DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, because I actually haven't played Scarlet and Violet in a while. See, the difference here, TJ, is that I guarantee you more people listening care about that than NYCFC versus Red Bulls game. Oh, uh, jeez. Um... TJ actually did remind me of something very fun, uh, speaking of him being at Dervpunk Stadium. Um, September 28th, we'll see the release of EAFC 24, no longer FIFA. Uh, Dervpunk Stadium is gonna be in in EAFC 24. Yep, I don't know if it's gonna be in initially. Like, I don't know if they had enough time once it was announced that Messi was going there. But like, they're gonna get it. It in should be in there the first patch. They only the have MLS is gonna be in the game. I mean, MLS is in the game, but not the stadiums. Typically, there's a few. Red oh, Bull Arena is one of them. Red Bull Arena is in the game. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> it's doesn't NYCFC play at Yankee Stadium? They do, and I'm pretty sure it's still not in the game. EA doesn't make a baseball game, I guess. They do not. Yeah, so they have no reason to have a Yankee Yeah, for stadium. some reason, it just seems really cool to me that Dervpunk Stadium is going to be in EAFC. Like, I know, obviously, we have FLA Live in the NHL games and Hard Rock Stadium in Madden. And the AAA, shut up. That Yes, that's what it's called in 2K. <laughs> but, like, there's something about about the soccer stadium being in an official game that mm-hmm. seems more interesting than that. And maybe Off of it's, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, maybe it's because it's more local to us, you and me specifically, TJ. Yeah, or maybe it's go. because we used to spend so much time there watching the Fort Lauderdale Strikers of the NASL when we were younger. Right. Right. R.I.P. Lockhart Stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's basically reborn as Derv Punk Stadium. Derv Punk. <laughs> uh, right. I refuse to call it Drive Pink. I'm sorry. That's I know that's what you're going for, but use the vowels. I get what you're going for. It's a license plate. But A wise man once said, taking the vowels out of words doesn't always make them cool. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so like I don't know. I I haven't played a lot of like MLS in FIFA, um, but I might if yeah. I mean, you get to that I can get to in ten minutes uh, is going to be in the game, and so is Messi. Messi was already in the games though. Yeah, yeah. Messi's going to be on Inter Miami though. You can play with him in that stadium, and he's going to be the best player in the MLS by like eleven overall points, which is always <laughs> fun. All right. Um, this was um... fun. This yeah, is supposed I to think be a so. short episode. We gotta go. Yeah, I don't know if I mean, eleven is fair because doesn't Toronto still have uh Insigne? Yeah. He might leave though. That's uh the Toronto thing is sort of a disaster now, but that's another like MLS thing that 
only, you know, maybe about 0.6% of our listeners care about. Uh, so yeah, rate us five stars on uh, MLS season pass on Apple TV. And we'll, got see my at, we'll see you at Durk Stadium for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, our, our beloved Fort Lauderdale Strikers. They're coming back. Everybody knows that this is real. Um, it's always good to talk to you guys in the offseason. Shout out Walter Restrepo. We're, we're uh, elongating unnecessary conversations just uh, for the sake of having content and, you know, enjoying each other's company, obviously. Love you guys. Uh, we'll be back soon with our Fixing the NHL episode, which I, I'm very excited for. I'm very excited to get all of your uh, contributions in that one. For Alex and Jacob, I've been TJ saying, see y'all later. Go Panthers. <laughs>